0: As we always do, before we get uh the folks from the Facts Over Acts family in the building, uh Kim, let's just go over how y'all weekends were, man. What's what's going on with y'all? if I'm gonna start with you.
1: Uh making myself way too busy, trying to, you know, free up some things. But you know, just chilling, same old, working, working.
0: Facts, facts, facts. Chris, what you got going on, man?
2: Man, trying to make my money, make money for me, man. Just doing some investing and stuff like that lately. Reading, I've been reading actually. I hated reading all my life, but now I'm an old man. Now I like reading. I like reading. I feel it. I feel
0: it. I, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. I messed around and went to a restaurant for the second time since this pandemic started. Uh, but I, I'm vac, I'm vaccinated. I ain't just out here, you know what I mean, going all willy nilly. Oh, we we, we 40, 100% vaxxed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We okay. We're So um, I'm I, I went ahead and went to uh Red Lobster, man. I, I'm gonna tell you something, I don't care how much money I, I have or don't have. If Red Lobster <laughs> is on the table, I don't care if I got two nickels to rub together, I'm gonna find some money to go to Red Lobster, man. That, mm-hmm. That's just the way that's gonna roll for me because that, oh, I had the uh, the, the
1: lobster feast. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, boy, Let me tell you you a secret. Next time you go, go. if you ain't hella hungry or you on a budget or whatever, you know what I'm saying? You might take a little shorty on a date or whatever. If you want to save some bread, bro, Mm -hmm. order you a bowl of lobster bisque. It's filling soup, about $9 or whatever, and you get the biscuits and you dip it in the soup. It's going to change your life.
0: Ah, okay. Trust me. I'll right. right.
1: I, I, I tell you
0: what, I thought to myself, if it's lobster from red lobster, it can't be that fire. Cause it's red lobster. It can't go like that.
2: <laughs> man. Man. Oh, that get hey, get keep it a baby. You need to come out here with me, then you want some real seafood, dog. That's all they got out here, man. That's all they
0: got. Hey, listen. I, I'm good. I'm good on all seafood, but let me tell you, Red Lobster holds a special place in my heart. Cause growing up, we was broke. So that was right. the spot for every event. <laughs> Wasn't nobody going to know Flemons. Was not nobody going to no those no Southern hey,
1: Steakhouse? You you had to pray somebody was graduating so you could hit a uh, Fish Bones oh, or Harbor House. <laughs> Bruh, we we did go to either one of them. It was all and my family
0: was all out was all, or or Sweetwater's. Or, uh, <laughs> or Sweetwater's. Uh, <laughs> <Now, laughs> get, what? You get you a, or Captain J's, get you a tip piece from Captain J's. That's the key book. <laughs> my, my mama my mama used to work at this uh this spot, this spot. It was Miss Tyler's spot. I can't remember what the name was. It. Of it was God rest your soul, but Miss Tyler used to make this hot water cornbread. That was the only place we went other than Red Lobster. And my family, you know, they all from Alabama, so we get we get soul food whenever we want. Right. It was only one time of the year. really like we went like four or five times a year, but it had to be something special. It had to be something special. If <laughs> we right. was gonna go to Red Lobster, but anywho, I'm, I'm gonna stop talking about Red Lobster now and get into get into what we all here for. All right, what's up, y'all? Have a seat. It's your favorite hour of the week. With the facts over acts crew, and we got the master of the mixing master, Hollywood Ziff in the building. How you doing, y'all? Yeah,
1: i I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling.
0: And we got the money man, the man with the plan, Chris Allen in the building. Right here, right here, man. And then you got the little old MC. That's me. Now, fellas, we got a we got a show today. We got a lot of show today. And I'm sorry that my camera may be giving y'all motion sickness right now. I gotta plug in my dual screen. I forgot to uh, earlier, but I'm the little old MC, Kenton Gibbs. And when I tell y'all we got a full show today, we got a lot rolling. As far as looking at, we got the draft, NFL draft. We got NBA, uh, we got NBA pushing towards the play-ins and the playoffs. And we got to talk about some realignment that's happening in the NFC. Because some people are saying that the, the future of the NFC North is in Jeopardy. You get what I did there? Because <laughs> All right, never mind. Whatever. Anywho, y'all ready to go? Ready to go. Yes, sir. All righty. So first of all, draft day has came and gone or draft days now. By the way, don't y'all miss the days when the draft was one long, terribly long day? And you had to be just a, an absolute war daddy to watch all of you. You had to sit there <laughs> for seven hours staring at the screen like, yeah, that tackle from Southeastern Mississippi Directional School for the Deaf and Blonde going to be good. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, don't y'all miss those days. Now they got, it. oh, the first-rounders, the people that everybody knows, the second-rounders, some of y'all might know. And then the day three guys. But, you know, as they always say, it don't matter where you get picked or if you get picked, it matters what you do when you get there. So with that being said, which players do y'all believe are slated to have the best career? Oh, and also, let's clap it up for ESPN for only having one horror story about a young man's past on here. Anyway, which players do y'all believe are slated to have the best career going forward? Chris, I'm going to start with you on this one. Any one or two players that you look at out of this draft that you're like, they're set up for success going forward.
2: Uh, the first one obviously and I probably took both of y'all picks Justin fields obviously he went to mm. to my opinion the perfect situation for his play style. Chicago top top of the line defense they have a lot of hitters a lot of a lot of defensive alignment a lot of corners over there good defense support they just been out of quarterback because Mr Trubisky just doesn't get the job done they've been out of quarterback for a while now and the news with Aaron rodgers coming out he could possibly be the best quarterback in that division this year. Yeah. I know Jared Goff on the Lions Matthew Stafford's no longer there So I mean, Justin Fields could come out And be the best quarterback in the NFC North this year
0: Let me tell you something Anybody who believes in Jared Thomas Goff I have uh, Oceanfront property to sell you in Detroit, Michigan It is <laughs> It is right off the island known as Bell, it's 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 a beautiful Beautiful property It's only going to be $3 million No, you don't get to see it before you close Anywho, uh, Josh, who do you think, man? Who do you think is set up in the best situation?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to go with Trey Lance. And it's not because he's in the best situation. Here's the reason I'm going with Trey Lance. One, it's very rare that you get a, a quarterback that's drafted third that's kind of flying under the radar. Like, we all knew that Trevor Lawrence was going to be first. A lot of people expected Justin Fields to be second. And then a lot of people are either, like, not making enough noise about Zach Wilson or it's people saying, like, why would you pick Zach Wilson as number two? So I feel like out of all of these quarterbacks that went, Trey Lance get a chance to kind of like fly under the radar. And because that position, he gets to be in a situation to where he gets to groom that offense to his fitting. And I think he can have a couple of years under the radar where he's not under too much pressure or too much scrutiny so he can kind of kind of form that team to his own identity.
2: I
0: feel that. I feel that. For me, it's it's going to be Kyle Pitts because the, the man is a freaking nature. He literally has better measurables than um, Mike Evans in every way. He literally is taller, bigger, and ran faster. Like that's the the, the short shuttle, uh Mike Evans' short shuttle was a 426, his was a 4'3. That's the only thing that he did worse than Mike Evans, and that was by 0.04 seconds. Like four hundredth of a second. Like, come yeah. on. I, to me, it, it, the the biggest thing that jumps off the film when I watch his tape, he's not a good blocker by any means. He's a willing blocker, and at the tight end position in today's game, a lot of guys are like the the, the Jimmy Grams of the world or the um, the well, there's there's a few others in that ilk that are just tall, they're rangy, they they cannot block their way out of a paper bag. Just the fact that he is willing, he's gonna gain weight with being a professional. He's right. going to get up to about, I think, 250, 255 comfortably. And he's, as long as he's willing to put his body in there and try, I think that he's going to be the tight end of the future and that you, he's going to be able to be lined up as an inline blocker. He's going to be a mismatch because, again, he ran a 4-4-5. So what safety is fast enough to keep up with him? What linebacker is fast enough to keep up with him? What corner is big enough to keep up with him?
2: Like, hey, you, you put the yourself last, in a- The last... The last fight fast tight end was Ingram, wasn't it? Like the fast like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Ingram, Ingram wasn't even that fast. And Ingram has success in the lead. So
0: exactly. Ingram's had a lot of success in the lead with Daniel Jones. And Ingram hasn't had the same receiving core around him that um that Pitts is gonna have coming in. He's got Julio and Calvin Ridley. Who are you gonna double? You can't double him off <laughs> the gates. Because if you double him, you say, Oh, I trust my corner to take on Julio. Oh, I trust my second corner to take on Calvin Ridley. Okay. Yeah, sure. Good for you. Good for you. I I hope that goes well for you. So to me, he's the guy that that has success written all over him. Now, if we had to do this, because we all know we don't like naming winners and losers of drafts immediately after, but it's it's just part of the requisite for doing sports talk. We have to do it. So who do you think coming out of this draft, who are you side eyeing, and who are you like, oh, that team just got a lot better in no time?
1: Um, I'm going to have to go with the obvious one, man. I don't know what the Jets are doing. (laughs) I don't know what the Jets are doing is, is I can't even, I can't even explain to you the, the logic in taking Zach Wilson second. When you had, when you had Trey Lance and you had Justin Field available. I don't know if it's um a, a connection thing. I don't know if it's one of those things where um he, he's one of those guys that that plays the game the right way. That's that's hidden language. Um, but <laughs> but he's, he's just I, such a I,
0: cerebral guy, man. Yeah, this, this, a this, one of, guy.
1: this is one of the few situations where, especially in the NFL, it's a team that has the number two pick in a draft, and they get worse. Well, other sports is more likely to happen, especially if you look at like hockey and basketball. Because it's mm. is, is so often that when it's not a talent pool that deep, you you can mess up a pick and your team won't get any better. But if you got the second pick in an NFL draft, you have to find a way to improve. Even if you don't make the, the pick that's right for your team, if you just get a guy out there that's talented at any position, they'll make an impact on your team. And, and Zach Wilson is not that guy.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. Chris, who are you thinking about? Who do you – who is a – or wait, wait, guy. who's the team that you think you look at out, out of the draft and you say they got better in a lot of ways. They instantly got better than what they were coming up.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm looking at the Bears. I'm going to piggyback off of uh, what, what Chris said for, for Justin Fields just because if you look at it, the Bears is a team that always can put um good defense together, and I don't think in our lifetime they ever had a good quarterback, and they were 8-8 eight and eight last year, and they're essentially bringing back the same team. So if you're bringing back a quarterback that's – better than Mitchell Trubisky was, I mean, that's not a difficult task to complete. And you're looking at a division where the Lions aren't going to do well, the Vikings are probably going to do about the same, and Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be in Green Bay. Um, I don't see any better experience for a team going forward than having your quarterback possibly winning the division in their first season. You
0: know, it's hard to disagree with that. It's hard to disagree with that. Chris, give me one winner, one loser. What you got?
2: I hate to do this to y'all, but... Also, just to piggyback off what Guyton said, anybody that's a better, and you see them Jets get anywhere near six games, take the under immediately. <laughs> put your entire life savings on the under. Put your entire life savings. Unless Zach Wilson just magically is just, I don't know what. Put your entire, put put as much as you can comfortably on the under for the Jets if they put them at six games this year. But the, the the ultimate losers to me, and I text y'all about this, the seventh pick, the Lions had a chance to change the whole direction of the franchise. Because this draft to me was one of the most loaded NFL Please. drafts I've seen in Please. a while. <laughs> Please, don't do this I, I, this, this was mo- one of the most loaded drafts I've seen in a while. And... The Lions had a chance to to rewrite their wrongs. They have Matthew Stafford. They had receivers they could have got. They had running backs they could have got. They had quarterbacks they could have got. They had defensive players they could have got when they lack on defense. And what they do, draft an offensive tackle under the radar that nobody planned on drafting the top team. Like, he was going to go first round. Uh, but...
0: Everybody thought it was going to be the Bengals because Joe Burrow, I mean... He was good when he wasn't picking turf up out his helmet. <laughs> but he, that's, you know.
2: You, even the Bengals, even the you Bengals, you, even the Bengals that need an offensive tackle like that decided, you know what, we might be able to get him later. But the Lions said, let me line this up and let's go draft the old tackle when we need everything else.
0: You know, I, I think the biggest thing that upsets me, not about this pick, because I'm not, to be honest, I'm not upset at the pick. Not, the not pick, a bad pick.
2: It, it makes sense to. Me. It's I'm not really, a bad pick. It's not a bad sense. pick, but when you know you need all these other things,
0: so, why? And, and that, here's here's what I think the Lions are doing. I think they play in the long game, and they like next year we're gonna draft Spencer Rattler, and we need somebody who's gonna protect them. We we need we're gonna be a bad team this year, and that's hoping. so you hoping
2: you hoping the Lions draft right.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I hope but you but don't bet on thing. that. Here's the thing, though. The Lions have already invested so much stock in golf. And right now, if you take a quarterback for the future, if we take Justin Field, for example, do you really want him under the Jerry Golf learning tree? That, that seems like uh, taking steps backward, right? So if you're building That's for the future, place, if you're building for the future, <laughs> why not get at worst the second best available offensive tackle in the entire draft, right? because we'll have well, him he for was, he was he was the best.
0: He was he was rated as the best tackle in the draft. The,
1: the only other person I would think could. of that might be is Leatherwood. That's the only person I was looking at that might be yeah. just as good as an offensive mm-hmm. tackle, right? Listen, so, listen, listen. Oh yeah. Okay,
2: I'm not saying it's a bad pick, but I'm saying they had a chance to shake up the NFC North when the, they had a chance to shake it up. Honestly, they had a chance to do something and they to me, they didn't funk, like they they didn't move the needle. Like they're gonna be the same team so, they were last year.
0: So who's who's your team that that won the draft? Who's the team that you look at and you're like, that team instantly better? They they got better because of this rookie
2: class. Uh, I mean, not necessarily the rookie class alone, but I honestly think the Steelers, we lost James Conner. We signed Juju back, we still got Chase Claypool. We got I can't uh we got Ben Roethlisberger back under a cheaper contract, but we also signed one year deal. Help me out, Giz. I'm having a blank. I got this picture of his face in my head. We signed a one-year deal quarterback, black guy. Dwayne Hassan. Uh, Dwayne Hassan, we signed him as well as a backup. And we drafted a solid running back. So I feel like that was the only piece we was missing to keep our team together from last year because he's equivalent or not better than James Conner to me. So I think we can go back and kind of repeat our performance in the regular season and hopefully rewrite our wrongs in the playoffs. So I think the Steelers did what they had to do.
0: To me, a team that – that I don't think that there are many teams – I don't like saying a team has lost the draft, but there are certain situations where you've got to say – Oh, this team blew it. They blew it big time. The Packers. Aaron Rodgers has expressed how disgruntled he was with the team on draft night, and you appease him in the first round by going to get a cornerback. I (laughs) beg your pardon? Y'all have not drafted a receiver in, what, half a decade? And your first-round pick after your Hall of Fame quarterback says, get me somebody or I'll be out a corner. I don't, like, even if he catches a lot of balls from Aaron in practice, y'all do know that's <laughs> a bad thing. Like At the end of the day, again, this is not a, we're not talking about a a, a Le'Veon Bell situation where he's like, hey, I want out and y'all are going to get me out. And the Steelers were okay without him. They were fine. They had other guys in the stable that could do what he did. Packers, who do you? Y'all got another Aaron Rodgers in the stable? Listen, Lightning (laughs) Lightning does not strike twice. Nobody has another Aaron Rodgers in the stable. Exactly. Lightning does not strike twice. When y'all drafted Aaron Rodgers to replace Brett Favre, great job. Y'all knocked it out the park. Couldn't have been better. Jordan Love, unless he lives up to that, Unless he lives up to Aaron Rodgers, congratulations. You just made your team worse. Y'all are not talking about a 23 year old who's just off his rookie contract, who, if he retires, he'll have made like $4 million in his career before tax. Aaron Rodgers has gotten three big contracts or two. Two hall or of them. All of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. He doesn't need this anymore. He can go host Jeopardy! It, like, it's either gonna be him or LeVar nah, Burton Tim as the permanent me. help. <laughs> Listen, it's either gonna be him or LeVar Burton as the host. <gasps> anyway. That's just the reality of what's going on here. So, I mean, why you don't get him help immediately is is just beyond me. Yes, they drafted mostly offensive guys after that, but to me, that is just I I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And a team that I look at and I say they got better than they were coming in out of this. I'm sorry, Chris, but I got to disagree with you, man. The Lions are a team to me that they definitely hear me out. Not just because of Pene Sewell, which I do think was a good pick. If you look on the defensive side of the ball, they got a Lee McNeil in the third round. Now, I am not saying this is somebody who is biased for NC State because I played for i like That's not what this is. Ali McNeil was graded as the highest rated run defender in the entire nation last year. And you got him in the third round. To me, when I when I look at the things that he's able to do, I say to myself, OK, your middle linebackers are atrocious. Ty Vy could not tackle any one of us in the open field. Like that's just how bad he is. So what do you need to make your linebacker look better? The ability to run free. How do you give a linebacker the ability to run free? Big bodies that draw up and eat up defenders. That's what Alean McNeil, I mean, eat up blockers. That's what Alean McNeil does. The detail they got before him, good pick. The corner they got out of Syracuse. Another guy that, if he makes the team, if he turns out to have the ball skills that he had in college, if he could grow upon that and expand that in the NFL, and possibly with a decent pass rush, with Okor coming back with, uh, with, With uh, Trey Flowers coming back, with the drafting that they've done, the the other D-tackle they drafted, extremely explosive and a good pass rusher. To me, the Lions addressed their biggest need, which was the pass rush that was dead last in the league. And with that being said, they're offensively building for the future. To me, this team looks better coming out. So let me ask y'all this. Alabama had six first-rounders in this draft, tied for the most ever in a single draft do we see this Alabama train slowing down anytime soon like is is there because they're with the opening odds their next starting quarterback which I believe his name is Bryce Hall or Bryce Young he's he's predicted to be a, a, one of the front runners for the Heisman next year is this Alabama train slowing down or are we just gonna have to keep seeing years upon years upon years of Alabama going 13 and on 12 and 1
1: it's going to be years upon years. I mean, of course, it's going to slow down eventually. Everything does eventually, but I don't think we'll right. see it happening over the course of the next decade, possibly decade and a half. I don't see a reason why. I mean, they, they built the pipeline. People want to be a part of that program, and kids are just going to keep coming through and coming. I think we need something drastic as far as, um, as far as just like a missed opportunity from a big team like a USC kind of situation, or we're going to have to see some kind of coaching staff change in order for players to be like, it's time to start looking other places or build a powerhouse somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. For
0: me, when I look at this situation, man, Urban Meyer is doing a great job out there. Until he retires, I I don't think that he's gonna be the type of coach that like sticks around forever like a Joe Paterno. I don't I don't think he's gonna be that. I don't right. think he's gonna like coach there till he passes. I think he got like five, maybe ten years left in him, and he's gonna be like, All right, I've done enough with it. Y'all go ahead and figure it out from here. Um, and with that being said, I mean the, the folks who a lot of people like to talk about stars don't matter at high school as far as like whether you're a two star, three star, four star, five star. That's a lie. OK, <laughs> there are grown men and women who make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And I'm not saying that the average person in, in high school sports media does, but a lot of people make a lot of money just following around high school kids, figuring out who's going to be good going forward. I am telling you, they do not get paid the money they get paid by accident. Alabama keeps getting five stars. They're going to keep being
2: good. That's just how that works.
0: Chris, what's your take on it? I
2: mean, they built a culture. When you build a culture, it's hard to, you know, let that go away after one season. It's eventually going to end because all good things come to an end. I mean, maybe when they get a whole new coaching staff and they get a whole new recruiters, you know, of course, people retire, people, people, you know, you might get to hire some bad people in the positions. But until they get rid of that culture, they're always going to be a place to be. And five stars are always going to want to go there because they see when you go to Alabama, you perform at Alabama, you could be a first round draft pick from Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just as simple as that. And you know
0: what? You know, I love what you said there. They've created a culture. There's a phrase that people love saying. that, like, "A five star culture beats out five star talent." Well, what do you do when the five star culture is filled with five star talent? <laughs> like, what do you do? Like, it's just like, oh,
2: it's not. It's nothing you could do. Give honestly, it's nothing you could do because once guess- once that winning, once that winning is drilled into the the culture and drilled into heads, it's it's literally it's nothing but up from there.
0: All you can do is hope that a year of aberration comes by, like a Joe Burrow comes in and breaks the matrix. A Trevor Lawrence comes by and is like, hey, let me get a championship real quick. Let me get one. (laughs) Let me just get one. All right, thank you. Bye. Like that's, you know, it's not even fair how how big Alabama is doing it. Fun fact about Alabama, in the last, I want to say, four uh, semifinal playoff games they were in, they were favorited by three touchdowns or more. Now, mind you, this is the college football playoff meaning the worst team that they could have played was number four in the nation. And they were favored each time by three touchdowns or more. (laughs) Yeah. Not saying that they covered the spread each time, but they were favored by that many touchdowns each time. So, you know, uh, another thing that we got to talk about as far as the favorites, least favorites, whatever the, the odds of the NFL here, Chris, you talked about it earlier. You alluded to it, with what teams are gonna be good out of the NFC North and, and and not next year. But honestly, this is a situation that scares me because the the NFC North, you're looking shaky, baby. You're looking bad. You're looking down bad right now.
2: They are down very very bad. They're
0: down very Listen, bad. Listen, they, they it's looking terrible. They they looking like they finna be in the next draft. Bring me that quarterback. But <laughs> sir, you don't pick for another five pick. Bring me that quarterback. So with that being said, Aaron Rodgers wants out. The Bears, I mean, they're relying on Justin Fields, but he's a rookie. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins, enough said. And the Lions are going to lie in for a little bit longer. I mean, even if you believe in Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, we're still going to be the Lions for another one or two years as far as, like, we're, we're just not there yet, and that's okay. With that being said, do you think that the NFC North will be worse than the NFC East next year? Chris, I'm going to let uh, you start this one off.
2: I think so. I think so. When you have Jared Goff possibly the best quarterback in your division, that's not very good. Even though Jared Goff has had some success with the Rams, it wasn't really because of Jared Goff. He had an a, a earn-it-all back in Gurley. He had a great defensive front. Oh, my. I don't think he had better than that defensive front he had. He had great corners. He had great defense. He had a good coaching staff. Yet, he still couldn't get it done. So, I mean, when that's your best quarterback in the NFC East, you got Dak Prescott, who under his leadership, he might not be living up to his full potential, but I'll take him over, Jerichoff, in a heartbeat. I agree. You also, agree. You also have have some some um, the Washington football team. I take them over the Lions. I take them over the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. I take them over the panel. I gotta see Fields in the NFL. I might take them over the Bears or Trubisky catching the hype. I-, I really don't see what team, but other than the Vikings, is really a fighting chance out of the <laughs> NFC North. The Vikings—they okay? They not. No the team is looking at the Vikings on their schedule like. Oh, man, we played the Vikings. We got to get ready. No no teams looking at the Vikings like that.
0: <laughs> That's facts. That's facts. Guy, what you thinking, man? What, what, um, which so one do you think will have a better record? AFC,
1: initially, I mean, NFC North or the NFC East? Initially thinking just because of the, how terrible the NFC East was last year, I was thinking there's no way that the NFC North could be worse than NFC East. But now that I'm actually <laughs> thinking about it and thinking about how these teams were last year, I think the NFC North is going to be worse. That's pretty bad. <laughs> but reason being, so so let's look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. Last year the Packers were thirteen and three. Aaron Rodgers not playing next season. If Aaron Rodgers not playing next season, I don't care how good uh, I forget the young man. The name, under the Jordan Love. The under
0: yeah. The, the under, under love.
1: yeah. So <laughs> honestly, looking at it just from Matt, I can see the Packers going six and ten. What well, they doing seventeen games this year, right? Yeah, 17. Six, six, six and eleven, seven and ten. They they have a losing record, right? No, six,
2: um, eleven, one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look, look at the Bears. I think the Bears will get a little bit better. They were eight and eight last year. They have a solid de- defense. I think they got a better quarterback. So I can see the Bears going a, a ten and seven, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. The the Vikings either they're going to be, since it's an uneven amount of games, either they're going to be one over or one under. And then I see the Lions getting five, six wins again. I don't see them improving or getting worse. So if you look at it, that's one team in the NFC North that I can see having a winning record, and that's the Bears, and that's with a rookie quarterback. So that's not even a shoe-in, right? I mean, I, I, I see the Vikings
2: maybe eight and nine, nine and eight.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. But, it be one over or one under. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I will say if they go like 10 and – 10 and six or 10 and seven to the 17 games now, I, I wouldn't be like shocked. You yeah. know what I mean? But, but I, they got to play he, all those teams twice. <laughs> right. But if you go over
1: <laughs> and look at the NFC East, honestly, I feel like every team has gotten better going into the season with the exception of the Giants. Like the Giants will have a losing record, but at the end of the season, if you tell them. Well, they me get that, Saquon back. They get Saquon that's true. back. That's true. But if you told me that Washington was toting that Vikings line of an eight, nine, nine and eight kind of team, I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like they got a little bit better in offseason. The Cowboys are coming back to full health. So even though, you know, they don't have any playoff success or they're not going to have any playoff success, they're still going to have a winning record in the regular season with that with that team that they have. And then also I feel like going into the future, Jalen Hurts will be able to bring the um Bring the, the Eagles some wins so they can also be in that nine and eight, eight, nine kind of territory with the team that they have. So that's a potential of a team with three winning records in the NFC East, as opposed to the NFC North. One team might struggle to get over, over 500 for the season. Just going on a tangent. Nine. Yeah. On on a slight tangent gives, since
2: we talk about NFC North, does the NFC East have a chance of getting him on one of those teams. Like do they have do you think they have the slightest chance cuz that to me would make the a, a unanimous decision that they better.
0: Oh, listen, if if any team out of the NFC East had the pieces to throw to get Aaron Rodgers, I think it would be the the Washington football team. Um the Washington football team have such a stacked defensive front. They have a player or two that they could sacrifice in the name of going to get um, and Aaron Rodgers, and not only that, I mean, the 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 fact of the matter is draft capital is worth a ton to a team that knows we're probably going to be bad next year,
2: All right. but
0: th- I think that that may be the problem with the Packers because they, I don't think that even without Aaron Rodgers, I don't think that they internally would believe like, oh, we're going to be bad next year and that's okay. Like, I think they would still want to, want to retain some form of like, We'll be all right. We'll figure it out. And also Aaron Rodgers, the biggest thing about the, the, the ability to trade for Aaron Rodgers again, Aaron Rodgers is not a young kid who ain't made no money. He can go retire. He's built a brand for himself. He, every right. state farm commercial you see with football, him, him or Patrick Mahomes is in it. He can go retire and be okay. So even if one of those teams out of NFC East was to trade, like if you say, uh, for example, the Cowboys wouldn't do it because they got Dak. Let's say the job. I, I was right? thinking.
2: I was thinking if the Cowboys really wanted to be crazy, Dak, Dak coming off an injury, Dak and a couple picks would be a good package for Aaron Rodgers. Honestly. I mean,
0: I agree, but the amount of days just signed Dak for the the amount of dead cap that you're looking at in trading them that makes that deal tough. But even if they were to, even if if the Cowboys were to trade for, them, like I said, they they would have to be in win-now mode. I'm not sure with that defense they're exactly there at the moment. Also, if you're in win-now with Mike McCarthy, God bless your heart. God bless your heart. You just – gives you don't don't like him
2: and and the other guy from uh, the – Cliff Kingsbury. uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, you hate both of them. (laughs)
0: Listen, I'll point out a career loser when I see it. Mike McCarthy, he lucked into a ring – Cliff Kingsbury can't even look into a winning season. I'm sorry. It is who he is. He he wasn't even really winning like Bro. that at Texas day, but, you know. Uh, so if I'm looking at the NFC East, NFC North debate, I guess I got to be the black sheep of the group. The NFC East is, is still very bad. Like, uh, don't get me wrong here. The Eagles needed a receiver. They needed to give Hurt some weapons if they were to properly evaluate, oh, he is or is not good. Devontae Smith was very healthy at Alabama, despite being as big as my pinky. Sure. But once you get beyond the Eagles, Mike McCarthy with the with an aging offensive line for the Cowboys, the offensive line was always a strong suit. They're getting old. They're getting hurt. They can no longer do what they used to do. Dak is still, we don't know what he's going to look like coming off an injury. Ezekiel Elliott is a proven commodity. He's going to be top five, top 10 in the league every year in rushing. That's who he is. More power to him. Pollard as well out of the Cowboys. They're going to have a good running game. What about the rest of the team? What about the rest of the team? Like, that's that's really the thing to me. They drafted a cornerback uh, out of Oregon State who, he was the big brother of the guy who was on Last Chance U last season. Um, And he... His tape looks good in some respects, but really bad in others. For example, he's 6'4". He plays the ball well. He high points the ball like a receiver. He is not very fast. So in college, when receivers got by him, they were by him. And that's that on that. He's not going to catch up. In the NFL, you're looking at a different level of speed, son. What you thought was fast in college, you're going to find out real quick. That guy is a good route runner and that's it in the NFL. He is not the speed guy. So I mean, that's the, the Cowboys have some some big holes that they have to work out in that regard. The Giants, I don't know why they drafted a receiver in the first round. I I don't understand it
2: at all. <laughs> what, what, they, what did you know, want them to get Gibbs? What did you want I mean, them to listen? Get so, I mean, that they
0: at the way that I see the Giants, there were a lot of pieces that were out there for y'all to get. And I, I'm i not sure if receiver was the way to go for y'all. I, defensively, they got one of the best secondaries. They had one of the best secondaries last year. Bought pretty much everybody back, sure. Linebacker core, eh, pretty good. But I, I think that they have more pressing needs than another receiver. But Kadarius Tony is the type of guy that his ceiling, because of his speed, because of his ability to break tackles, is extremely hot. So I get it, but I don't think that he makes that team – Exponentially better.
1: So I, 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 I just, think they're. I think they The Giants' mindset with that pick was to. They're they're not good on either side of the ball, right? And I think their mindset there was to get strong on one side of the ball. And for some reason. They're still going with that narrative because they think Daniel Jones is their guy. So they if they stack up on receivers, they get a strong. Like I think they're going towards the trend. If you look at the draft picks, they're going towards the trend of trying to stack up on the one side of the ball. But that side of the ball can't be offense when Daniel Jones is your quarterback.
0: Good, good, good for you. Good for you if you believe again. If you believe that Daniel Jones is the is your QB one of the future. Not only do I have Ocean for property to sell you in Detroit, I have some wonderful Cartiers. Don't worry about whether or not they're authentic. Don't worry about the lenses not being tinted. Don't worry about the fact that they have a dollar store tag on them. They're $3,000. Don't ask me no questions. Give it to me and I'll give you the glasses. Uh, but honestly, the Washington football team, I mean, hey, the linebacker they did, that they got, extremely athletic. He By all by all accounts, He's he seems to be a guy that can be in the vein of a, what Luke Kuechly was to the uh, the Panthers for many many years. He may not be as instinctive, but he's much more athletic. And Ron Rivera has been great at coaching linebackers, so I I see where that pick was going. The rest of the watch the football teams' picks. I mean, they bolstered their offensive line a little bit. Um, they added some 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 pretty good uh, some pretty good pieces in the draft, and they they kept pretty much everybody, because they got a young team to where they didn't have to re-sign a bunch of pieces. But honestly and truly, I mean, Taylor Heineke doesn't scare me. Like, that's a, that's just right. the case there. So I, the the saving grace for the NFC North, I believe, is this. I I think that the Lions got better than people may be able to give them credit for at the moment, and I think that they put us back at like seven and ten, maybe even eight and nine. I think that the uh, the Vikings, just by virtue of playing all the other teams in the the NFC North, I mean they're they're going they're going to look pretty good here. The Packers again, Aaron Rodgers could come back. He could. It's a possibility. That's that's a big part of what I'm banking on here. Uh, but even with no Aaron Rodgers, I think the Packers are still a really good team. They would just lack a quarterback. Like, they they in essence would become what Washington was last year. All these pieces all over the place that can do good things. Jair Alexander, one of the best man-to-man cover corners in the game. Both of the the Smiths off the edge always going to scare you. Kenny Clark as well. They, They got a lot of good pieces, but without a quarterback in today's game, you're in a tough spot. So, I mean, again, McCarthy, no quarterback. Daniel Jones. And an Eagles team that can't seem to get out of their own way. To me, that spells the NFC North being just a bit better by not being as bad. That's right. That's just the way I see it. I, now, when we look at the NFC North, do we believe that if Aaron Rodgers leaves, this is a full out realignment that has the Bears being at the top for the next five years or so? Is, is that what we're looking at here?
1: I, I think so. I think so. Um, I agree, I agree. Yeah, if you look at it, the Bears, the only thing they were really missing from their from their team was a consistent offense. And I think if you have a quarterback in place that's able to uh, – that has the talent and they're able to put pieces around them, you can get a consistent offense and, and just build off of, yeah. off of that defense. And I don't look, see anything look, going wrong with that formula over the course. I don't yeah. see anything going wrong with that formula before the Packers are able to bounce back from getting – uh, from getting rid of Aaron Rodgers before the Lions are good, because even though I'm a Lions fan, I don't ever expect them to be good. And then the Vikings are one of those weird teams to where like I don't know, they always switch their core, they always have different pieces in and out, and then they're eleven and five one year, and then the next year they're three and thirteen, and the year after that they're nine and seven. So like the Vikings have never been consistent. So I think the Bears could could run this division for at least the next couple of years. Okay, my
2: what, thing is my my thing is. Do the Bears go out right away and start Justin Fields or they let Trubisky start the year?
0: Oh, Trubisky gone. He's gone already. They let him walk oh, in for the yeah, agency, yeah. didn't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll, right, I'll right, right, right,
2: Okay. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have to see him play in the pros, but I'm highly, highly, highly anticipating that he, he, he does what he needs to do for that Bears. If he gives them, let's say, 320 yards a game, that's an improvement. That's an improvement. If he can average around 320
0: a game. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky is not a backup for the Bills, but here's, here's the only hope, the only saving grace that can be there for the rest of the NFC North. The ages of the players on that Bears defense is the only thing to where I'm like, Okay, I don't know if if this this Bears defense is gonna be able to run this for the next few years. Almost every piece that they have coming back, because I believe that they were the ones who lost to Fuller to free agency. I, I'm not sure, but if you hear the last name Fuller and their cornerback, they're gonna be good. Like that's just that <laughs> those are the rules in the NFL. Always. Those Always. are the rules. I don't write them. I just follow them. So uh with that being said, I mean. When I, look at, when I look at everything that the uh, the Bears bring to the table, I mean, Akeem Hicks, one of the best defensive linemen in the game. He's 31. Khalil Mack, 30. Eddie Jackson, he, I want to say Eddie Jackson is at least 26, 27. And one thing about the NFL, other than the quarterback position is the only one that you fall off like slowly over time. All the other positions in the NFL, because of the nature of the beast, you like, once you lose two, three steps, you're not the same guy at all anymore. Oh, D- D- Dalton is uh, Dalton is in, in Chicago. Yeah, so so Dalton, Dalton is probably going to mentor um, yeah. uh, Justin Fields. So, it's not a bad move. Yeah, not at all, not at all. So with that being said, I mean, the, the only hope that this is not a realignment that has a bunch of kids in Chicago growing up, Watching the Bears run the NFC for the their entire childhood. Well, I mean, the defense is getting old. That's all you can hope for. That's yeah. that's all and that's it. But I think that this could be it. Because again, the Vikings aren't getting any younger either. And Kirk Cousins is we've we've realized now Kirk Cousins is not it. Kirk Cousins is is basically uh Mac Jones of, of like than just Mac Jones, who's been in the NFL a few years. Like that's what he is. <laughs> and that's what people realize. So I mean, to me, the only hope is that the Lions figure it out in these next couple of years and that um the the Packers will bounce back, maybe. But other than that, yeah, this is the Bears division to lose for a little while. This right. really and truly is. If that defense, if they can stay together, if they can get some younger pieces. Ropon Smith, their lead, their uh, middle linebacker, he's an animal and he's only about 23, 24. Yeah. Other than him, most of the pieces are old. That's the only hope that the rest of these folks got. So speaking of realignment and, and how things change and shift and ebb and flow, I mean, have we, have we seen the Jazz and Suns be good like this in our lifetime? Is this something that we've seen at the same time? I, I not don't a one think and so. two
1: seed. If you want to go to the Nash Amari slash Boozer, yeah, I'm about to say the Vera Suns. Williams, yes,
2: Vera.
1: I mean, but even then, they weren't the
0: number one. They're not only one and two one in the, the West. Suns was winning sixty plus games. The Sun,
2: yeah, the Suns is
0: number no, one. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying just one team at a time, and not, I'm not just saying success. Not only are the Jazz and Suns good this year, they're the top two teams in the NBA as far as win, win-loss goes. I mean, oh, this is yeah, yeah. this is unusual. The NBA is acting unruly. And Chris, can you give us that stat you gave us about Chris Paul? Because we got to give him his flowers for that.
2: Every team he's been to in the West has, has held a number one seed. Every team. The Clippers were a number one seed at one point. The Rockets were a number one seed at one point. The Suns are now one of one, 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 the ones. seed. New Orleans was, they, they touched number one seed that season. They didn't keep it though, but they were a number one seed at one point.
0: To me, I mean, they call him the point guy for a reason. This young man is he, this old man, rather. It's <laughs> not a joke. I mean, he's been doing it for forever and a day and and just to see Chris Paul still playing at a high level is absolutely amazing, but man, this, it's some unusual suspects at the top of the league now, because you I know? mean,
1: if we go back to the oh six oh seven season, we did have the Suns and the Jazz as the two and the three seed in the West. So,
0: so, so wait a minute. Oh six oh seven. Yeah. What were you doing in two thousand six, two thousand seven, Guyton? watching basketball. <laughs> you, you know what I was watching? Static Shock. That's probably what I was doing. I was probably or, or, or watching Justice League or something. I was or probably 10. watching Ben 10. I mean, that's 15 I, years. I was dude. watching them too. I was watching them too. That's, that's 15 years, dude. That is 15. A decade and a half ago. I know it, we don't want to say it was that long ago because it makes us feel old, but these teams ain't been good like this. And then you got the 76ers and the Nets on the other side. Two teams that again, what what are we looking at? Iverson and, and Vince Carter as and Jake Kidd at the point with Richard Jefferson? Is yeah. that the last time both of these teams were good? Like this this is this is craziness. This is craziness. So I mean this is it's impressive to see. But with that being said, we're going to run down the NBA uh standings and we're going to look at this from a few different angles. Number 1, the 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 teams that are most likely to uh miss the miss the play off and go straight to the play in. As far as the 6 seeds, the 6 seed on the West, the defending champion Lakers 6 seed on the East is the Celtics. Miami is tied with them right now. The Trailblazers are one game behind the Lakers. Which team do you think is more likely to have to play into the play-in to get into the uh, playoffs?
1: I think it may be the Lakers. Mm. If you're looking at it, the Lakers, from a a chemistry standpoint, I know Brian is just coming back and they have um, approximately like 10, 10, 11 games or so to figure things out, right? But just from a chemistry standpoint, that team doesn't look well-jailed together. And going towards the end of the season, they have a few easy games in there, but they just had an easy game against Sacramento that they blew, right? So it's games here and there that they can miss or that they can lose. And the team behind them is Portland, and Portland's been playing pretty well the past couple of games. The Port- Portland is heating up. So I think that the Lakers could possibly slide to that seven seed. Um, the difference between them and Boston is Boston, even though they had that crazy comeback the other day, outside of that game, Boston has been playing pretty well the past couple of games. And the Miami has as well. So I can honestly see um Miami and Boston moving up. And Atlanta is a team that needs late season situations, even though they're being coached extremely well and they're playing, they're having a hell of a second half to the season. I think that experience could come into play and we could possibly see how East Atlanta sliding the seven and five and six being Boston and Miami.
0: Oh, okay. All right. All right. Chris, what you thinking, man, is there, who do you think is, and you know what? The Hawks are only, what, one game above the Celtics? So it's, it's very a possible. A half a game. So those yeah. three are pretty much interchangeable. Chris, who do you think is most likely of the those three teams, Hawks, Celtics, Lakers, to be in the play-in? Or do you think we'll see a situation where multiples of those teams
2: are in the play-in? Uh, I don't think none of those four teams, the Lakers, Trailblazers, and the Celtics and this Miami. I don't think none of those teams have been to play First reason why, Dallas, Porzingis, injured. So Dallas should drop back down to seven. Portland and Celtics okay. Portland and Celtics and Miami and Lakers all are in must-win games for the rest of the season. They cannot take a night off. They cannot. None of those, all those teams all play deep in the playoffs, for one. None of those teams want to play extra games in the play-in tournament. They're all in must-win mode right now. Dallas is not necessarily... Luka, nonchalant, he said, I don't want to play in a playing tournament, so I want to do whatever I can, but no Porzingis now. And Tim Hardaway Jr. also got a nagging injury, so he's out for a little minute. So I think Dallas drops down to that seven seed. Portland and the Lakers slide right back up. They're not that far ahead, ahead of them. Um, even though Luka Luke, Luke, Luke did go nuclear yesterday, 30, 20, and 10, whew, he went nuclear. But how much y'all expect Luka to... to to sustain that. that's the that's going so can't keep no, that up. Yeah. No, no, no. Not for the last 10, 12 games. And do you want Luca to even do that going into the playoffs? I'd rather plan a playing tournament than him doing 30, 20, and 10 every night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he'd go play his favorite people, the Clippers, if they get that second seed. You know Luca love them <laughs> Clippers. The Clippers. He loved them Clippers.
0: You know what? And, and I, so, I got to say this. Uh, oh, go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I gotta say this. This is this is why it's hard being the MC of this show because these two are so knowledgeable. Sometimes you walk in with a certain way you want the topic to go, and they're like, nah, you gotta keep you gotta be on your feet. You gotta be on your toes here. <laughs> um, but but no, I you know, I hadn't even factored in the Mavs injuries uh as far as is them possibly slide back, only because it's 10 games left. So if they mess around and luck into like if they win the games that they should, they'll, they're looking at three wins even without Kristaps. If they mess around and luck into another one or two, that puts you at five and four over the last uh, over the course of these last nine or ten or five and five. I don't think they drop too much off going five hundred there. And then when you look at the Hawks, t- to me, there is something to be said about in in the modern NBA. If you literally just tell all your players get down in the stance or you won't play. You'll make the playoffs. You'll make the playoffs. That is crazy to think about. But if you look at the the teams in the East, the Knicks and Hawks are somehow the four and five. Do you know how that happened? Number one, Tibbs plays the starters 43 minutes a game, of course. But number two, (laughs) number two, Tibbs and McMillan are known for what? Defense, defense, defense. If You cannot get in the stands. You will not play for either one of them. If you don't know how to pre-rotate, you will not play for either one of them. That's just the, the deal there. If you don't know how the rotations need to go on defense, you won't play for both of them. And, and so it's it's beautiful to see them uh doing what they're doing as far as getting to the playoffs and having success with just playing defense. But honestly and truly, when I look at those teams, if I'm if I'm just sticking with Hawks, Celtics, Lakers. I'm really worried about the Celtics. I'm really worried about the well, Celtics. Well,
2: he, here's why I disagree. Because the Celtics, their main three, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kim Walker, combined, and Marcus Smart, you can tell you they main four. And Marcus Smart more so defense, not offense as much. But their main four combined together to miss 60 games.
0: hmm You mean,
2: know what listen. I'm saying? They combined.
0: I understand that, but the the only thing that is worrying me is the team that's on their heels. To me, Miami has more ability to... To me, Miami has a a better ability to... to, They just know how to win games. They just know how to get it done in winning time. Uh, They have that uh, better than the Trailblazers do.
2: And I, I agree with you, but that's where I think the Hawks lack. I don't think the Hawks got the experience yet. So, I think the for Celtics sure. and the Heat, the Celtics and the Heat jump the Hawks. The Hawks get that seven seed. Because the Miami and Celtics, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they both went out for the rest of the year. Because the Celtics got their guys back, the Heat got their guys back, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win the last 10, 12 games. I wouldn't be surprised.
0: I mean, listen, the, my whole thing about the Hawks is. Under McMillan, they haven't just been like, oh, they're, they're a decent team. No, they've been fantastic under McMillan. Yeah, that's, like, I it, agree. There's, there's no argument you can make, even with them losing uh, against against the um, – against this – getting blew out by the 76ers. They come back next game and beat the brakes off the Bulls. Like, they called the dogs off at a certain point in time, and they still won that game by double digits. If you go forward looking at the rest of the schedule for the Hawks as well – The only good teams that the Hawks have to play going down the stretch, Trailblazers, Suns. And I guess you could say the Wizards in there too. Okay, sure. Trailblazers, Suns, Wizards twice. Other than that, I mean, they got the Pacers, they got the Magic, they got the Rockets. To me, I could see them easily winning four or five of that. And four or five of that, even if the other teams, even if the other teams perform well down the stretch, if if they don't go and win out like you said, they're not gonna jump them. They you can't jump. Four it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be
2: tough. It's gonna be tough.
0: I thought
2: I thought I thought that ankle injury would bother Trey Long a little bit longer than it did. It only bothered him for three games, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I think it was three or two games. I thought it would be a little more hobbled. But the Hawks have a lot of guys that have been having nag injuries. Like every game, if you look at their roster before the game, they got like six seven guys questionable.
1: So right, this right. shortened
2: season, definitely with less talent on the Hawks, I feel like it's it's harder. Like the Celtics have been able to stay afloat with all those injuries. I'll, you know, I'll tell the, you Hawks, the, the Hawks can't do that.
0: I'll tell you what, simply because I, I have a, a rule of like certain players, you just, doesn't matter what's going on, doesn't matter the situation. If this man is on the court and he's rolling, don't you bet against him. Don't you waste your time unless they're facing uh, just the most significant odds we've ever seen. You don't better get. LeBron is one of those guys. I think that they'll get it done because he knows if they let the Trailblazers jump them and they got to play in the play-in, he has to put in even more work to get this team ready. Which I don't think, I don't think is what he wants to do. Simply because this is an older team. This Lakers team is not like a, a bunch of spring chickens where it's like. Oh, yeah, it's all right. Like We need this time on the court. No, they're old. They need to go ice those knees. They need to go make sure everything is rolling right. They need to go kiss their wife and kids, all that good stuff. So I, I think that they'll get that done. And if we're talking about players who came back from injuries, I noted this. We We forgot about this on the rundown, but who is Lamelo Ball? Does he think he Wolverine or something? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, Does I was, he was done for the season, and now he's like back and throwing full court passes underhanded.
1: What's I mean, going I, was, on? I I understand that when it comes to injuries at your joints, the wrist is the one that usually heals the fastest, right? Mm-hmm. But four weeks to to fracture the wrist, go through surgery, recover, and be back playing basketball like I don't I don't see yeah. how that's
2: well, well you got to remember, you got to remember, He getting the best doctors that he can get. He getting the best physical therapy he can get. And he's 18, 19 years old. You get what I'm saying? So his body probably heals extremely fast right now. I,
0: I'll tell you what, Dope Boy's Cash Out made a perfect song for that. They said, bust it <laughs> wide open. That's what's going to happen. If he fall one time on that thing, He going to bust it wide open. I mean, Jesus Christ. You This, to me, reeks of... He's a young man who wants to go out there and play and give it his all for the team, and he needs an adult in the room to step up and be like, "No,
1: yeah. like, I mean, but at, I at get the, what you want to do, but no." At the same time, no, I mean, he he got Charlotte a playoff team, bro. Like this, I I
0: that's agree.
1: Absurd. But here's
0: here's <laughs> here's what you gotta realize: if you're Charlotte, even if if I say Lamelo, go out there play your heart out, right? Yeah. The absolute best case scenario for you, if you're Charlotte, is he gets he gets you into the playoffs, they win the play-in tournament, they end up the 7th seed, right? That's the best case scenario. If you end up the 7th seed, you're playing the Nets. Do you think or you're going to beat the Nets? Or Philly. So, the Nets or Philly. Do you think you beat the Nets first round? Nah. Do you think you beat Philly first round?
1: Not at all. If he
0: gets you into the play, if he gets you into the play-in, and he loses the play-in and ends up the eight seed, if he wins one game, loses the second, ends up the eight seed, you still got to play Philly or the Nets. If he goes to the play-in and loses out altogether, you don't make the playoffs in essence.
1: Yeah,
0: you're putting that up against what's the worst case scenario? He does permanent damage to his wrist and is never the same again. True. Like to me, you're you're risking, you're leveraging your future for a first round exit, for an exciting first round exit. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. That, something about that math. Let the Wizards have it. The Wizards are old. They need this. Bradley Bill's gonna be <laughs> gone soon. Russell Westbrook's gonna be gone soon. They need
2: this. Speaking Y'all... of which, Russell Russell's on one of them tears, man. When he gets on one of these tears. Russell is playing,
0: but you, but you see what I'm saying. Russell is Russell is already on the descent from the height of his powers. Right, we can all agree to that. He's not the player that he was in his prime. Bradley Bill is at the height of his powers. He's there. He, if you're talking about Melo, he has another level to go to. Miles Bridges, multiple levels to go through. Uh, the uh, I, And I'm, I'm ashamed for forgetting his name. The Martin brother that actually plays a lot. He has another level to go to. They have a lot of young guys. DJ. under. T- P.J. Washington, another level to go to. These guys are young. Devontae they Graham. Have- <laughs> Devontae Graham. But, but the scary Terry Rozier. All of them. I think Terry is the only one to like. We we're seeing the best that he's got.
1: And Gordon, Gordon he's past it. He's past the best. Exactly. Players. So yeah. so you got yeah two Gordon are not even playing
0: right now. So so you got two players that are either at it or past it. Four to five that you still like. Yeah. There's more to him. To me, it's obvious. You let this year go. Hey, Melo, I know you can still ball. We're shutting you down for the year.
1: But we um, we're shutting you down. We can save this for another week but you remember a conversation we had about who would be the next player after Steph to change how the way basketball is played? think it's time oh to my. throw Lamello in that conversation. Oh, my. Please stop it. Please stop I, it. I mean, I mean. Please stop. Look, look at the way he's pushing the offense. He's playing ball the way his pop said basketball should be played years ago and everybody was like, this old dude is crazy, but it's working.
2: Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Giannis and the Bucs didn't start that a while ago? Because I just watched the game today. Every time they got the rebound, they was running. Giannis running down court.
1: That's because you have Giannis, who you couldn't do that with anybody but Giannis. You need somebody to be able to distribute the ball like that, and LaMelo can do that. The only reason the Bucs are able to do that is because Giannis is taking three steps, and he's passed— but, that, but,
0: that's why, but that's why I say I don't necessarily want to accredit that change to Melo because there are multiple teams that have been in that that vein of, hey, I don't care if it's an inbound. I don't care what's going on. We run it.
1: But d- you need the you need the every... pieces to do it though. Absolutely. I think, I think regardless of the pieces that was around him, LaMelo would still be able to orchestrate an offense like that. I don't think it's any Absolutely. other player in the league that would be able to do that. I, I disagree.
0: I did, I think both Giannis and Brown could both like. If you say, hey,
1: every time we take the ball we're talking about freaks of nature. I'm talking about if you got any team in a league and you put LaMelo right there, LaMelo could get them to run like that.
0: Well, for sure. But to me, you
1: can't say that he changed the game in this way that now everybody wants to No, no, but I'm I'm saying though, I'm saying though. He could be one of the people that institutes the change where other people are going to be like. For, for example, a lot of people, Giannis and LeBron couldn't change the way the game is played. because Regardless of how you run your offense, regardless of who you are, you're not going to be Giannis or LeBron. The yeah. reason people started to do what Steph is doing or what Golden State is doing, because they're like, hey, Steph is six foot three, uh, uh, 200 pounds. Even though they're not seeing the work that's going in behind the scenes, they're seeing what he's doing on the court. And they are saying, hey, we can do that. I think well, the difference you- is. I think the even difference like, is you're looking at LaMelo and you're looking at like, hey, this dude is a regular size like guard. But is he? He's he's he's, he's not, but when you look at him, he's not LeBron or Giannis. He's not nothing. taking three steps and he's past everybody on defense.
0: He's also, how old is he? Nineteen, twenty? Yeah. Like I don't even know if he's nineteen body. yet. His body hasn't even physically developed into like, oh, I've been training like a professional for five years now. His body hasn't grown into that yet. And he's already 6'6". And we all know his dad, say what you want about LeVar. His dad said, I chose the woman I chose because I wanted my kids to be in the NBA. This was not something that (laughs) just like, oh, like we just kind so of luck real. I, think, LaMelo. I
1: think Lamelo approaching 6'8 territory. I think you could list him as 6'8 if we being honest. And,
0: but but that's what I'm saying. We can lie to ourselves and say, like, oh, Lamelo isn't a freak of nature. You say that because he's 19. But he's right now. six
1: yeah, he's six look, eight look, look. at point guard. That's a freak of nature. I'm mm-hmm. I'm saying that because I know how casual people see the game and how these scouts look at the game. Okay. I, think, right. I think I think a lot tell. of I us, tell. I think I us tell. on this show might look at basketball a lot more analytically than some professionals do well if I'm, well, I'm being honest
0: i'll tell you what nepotism did get a lot of people a lot of jobs that <laughs> you can clearly see <laughs> son you're not qualified for that your daddy was a great scout you're not you're not supposed to be there but i mean I, i'll tell you this there may be an effect of people seeing lamello and saying like oh yeah now everybody needs to run everybody needs to go back to that uh the, the, what was the 30 for 30? What was it? Running gun or, or what was it? The Paul West, Westfall.
1: Yeah, I forget or, the name. Yeah, yeah. I forget the name. What are you talking about?
0: I, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'd enjoy seeing that more than I enjoy seeing Steph ball. Because again, the, the idea that a 610 Michael Porter Jr. Would go to the three point line <laughs> to win the game. Instead of on a yeah. four on one. Yeah. A four on and people, and here's the crazy part about it. Michael Porter Jr. wasn't even the he was the most egregious to me, but the fact that Jamal Murray just stopped at the three point line as well. You have the ball. Nobody's stopping the ball. What did they teach you in Little League? If
1: nobody stops the ball and you have the ball, keep going to the run. Yeah. Keep going to the, no, the, Steph- the room. The biggest problem with Steph Ball is only Steph can do it.
0: Only Steph, Clay, and 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 um, KD. That's it. If you if you're Steph, Clay, KD, heck, heck, we can even throw Harrison Barnes in there. If you're Steph, Clay, KD, you got Harrison <laughs> Barnes on the wing. Sure, go for it. But everybody else, take your tail, take your narrow behind to the rim. You understand me? <laughs> but anywho, uh, yeah, this that I. Again, I just I don't understand what the uh, what the Hornets are doing by letting him play simply because again unless he is a hundred percent, like there is not like they've run X rays and even the doctor is like, bro, I'm pulling out hair. I don't have this man is, <laughs> is his wrist is as healthy a wrist as I've ever seen. There's no way he would be on the court if I was because again yeah. you're, you're leveraging your future for a first round pick, and to me that just don't make sense. That just if, so Chris, if you were the and we are gonna end it off this, but if you were the net, I'm mean the uh, Hornets head coach. If you're the Hornets GM, do you allow Lamelo to play or are you shutting them down?
2: I mean, I'm a firm believer that your rookie year is your most crucial year. You you learn the most your rookie year, and you come back the next year with all the, the teachings you learn. So near the tail end of the season, when I could let him play 35 minutes and his wrist has had a lot more time to heal, yes, I let him play because I mean. What's the worst can happen? He hurt his wrist again. We're going right to the offseason. And I let his wrist get 100% healthy. The work, the best that can happen is we win the play-in tournament, which uh, that is what it is. But, I mean, for him to get time, like if Zion had more time last year, I feel like he'd be even better this year. Like we see what Zion is doing this year. If he had more time last year, he'd be even better this year because he had a lot of growing pains early the beginning of this year. And it seemed
1: like he worked them out this year. But if he was able to work that out last year,
2: he would have started the year the Zion we see today.
1: Yeah, and, and with with the Pelicans to go off for the Zion thing, I, uh, we can go about this another week. But I think I found an issue with the Pelicans. You know, woes and late game or closing out games. I think I found an issue. And I hate this to place. I hate to place blame on Brandon Ingram. He's a talented player, but he's he's a black hole on offense. The ball don't move when the ball getting Brandon in Ingram's hands.
2: Oh, no. We we'll say that for a different day. We we'll say that. Oh for no! no. <laughs> Not, he
0: hit, hit a shot. he hit a shot and be like, "I made one in a row. I'm hot. I'm hot. <laughs> Give me that. Swing it, swing it." So, so, guy, and we gonna end it on this. If you are the the Hornets GM slash head coach, do you do you let Lamelo play, or are you like, "Hey, shut it down, big dog"?
1: I let Lamelo play just because. You got a lot of young players. You want to see the potential on this team. I, I think if they got the right doctors if they did the analysis and they said that he good to go, then he's good to go. I'm just surprised to see how fast he came back. But at the same time, in the scope of things, um, an injury to the wrist or, or something like that is so is so uncommon that I will go ahead and I will go ahead and let him play. And then also LaMelo Ball is a player that we can see is smart enough to where if you feel like he's in a situation, of course, nobody ever gets injured on, on purpose, but at the same time, I think until he feels like he's a hundred percent ready, I don't think he put himself in a situation to where his wrist is necessarily like exposed or he'll try to baby it to a certain extent. And I think uh, LaMelo baby in his style of play is still better than the Hornets thing with, with no LaMelo. Uh,
0: you know, I've already given y'all my take. Like I said, the best case against worst case is I always weigh it. And for certain things, I can deal with the worst case. But for this one, I'm not sure if I can look at myself in the mirror. If if he's out there playing, and now next thing you know, he's got to miss the first four weeks of next season, based on like, oh, we let him play and like he got hurt. So that's that's what I'm that's my take on that. But we know y'all tired of us talking about injuries. Talking about the NFC Least and the NFC North. Talking about the, the the Jazz and the Suns being good again like it's 5 Like we doing uh, dunks and throwing it off the, the Jumbotron on NBA Live. But anywho, come on back the next week and the week after that and the week after that. Peace and love, y'all. Also, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. we trying to get affiliated. So help us get there, all right? Help us get there, Twitch family. We appreciate it. Peace and love,
1: y'all.